Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey White Sox fans, it's Crystal O'Keefe with episode 31 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have Josh Hill, who is a content director for Fansided. He also covers the Minnesota Twins via Puckett's Pond, does some Tampa Bay Buccaneers content via the Peter Plank. So welcome, Josh. Please feel free to introduce yourself. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. And uh I've always loved the White Sox-Twins rivalry. It's everybody that always talks about, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox, that's definitely like the marquee, you know, rivalry, not only in baseball, but like, you know, in sports. But I've always enjoyed the Twins and White Sox rivalry almost as much as that because it feels almost like a sibling rivalry. You know, you yeah. got Minnesota and Chicago. It's, it's really good. And it's also, you know, a mutual hatred of the Yankees, usually in the playoffs, finds me rooting for the White Sox. So I'm like, there we go. That's so... That, that that's how that goes but yeah the twins and the white Sox robbery i grew up with it i love it i live in chicago now so i'm in enemy territory so gotta gotta represent <laughs> it's funny because everyone assumes that it's just a cubs white Sox rivalry if you're kind of not from chicago when in fact that is the opposite like neither team really care about one another but they are they rarely even play they play the crosstown cup each year that's that's right. really the extent of it so yeah, they don't know that the real enemy is, you know, the twins <laughs> or Twinkies. So um, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about these twins. So we are recording early. I think I, anyone who's listened to the last few episodes knows that we are recording just a little early um, because I will be out for a week. So at the time of this podcast, the American League Central is still really bad. The winner of this division will likely win with a 500 record, probably not any higher than that. Um, the Twins and Guardians are kind of battling back and forth between like who's going to come off as first. The Guardians are ahead. They are at 500. Um, right now, they're, I think, a half game above the Twins. So that being said, and knowing that it will probably stay pretty close over the week, what is going on in Minnesota? Uh I'll tell you what's not going on, the offense. That's been the absolute bane of every Twins fan's existence so far this season because it feels like for the first time, probably in my lifetime and in the lifetime of a lot of fans, there hasn't been a pitching staff like this that has been able to put together the type of performances and the type of starts that we've seen from them this season, from Joe Ryan, from Pablo Lopez, 
Sonny Gray very well could be in the Cy Young consideration at the end of the season. I mean, he was an all-star already. He's having, you know, one of the best seasons of his career. He's talked about retirement. He's played so well. He's like, I might just go out on top like this, hopefully with a World Series. But that pitching staff has been so good this year. The offense just hasn't been there. And that's what's been so frustrating. You're losing games that you should win because the offense is going to sleep. They can't get anything going at the plate. Or you have series like you just had to come out of the All-Star break where it takes every ounce of effort to beat the worst team in baseball. Like the Twins should not be struggling and clawing to beat the Oakland Athletics. That just should not be happening. So that's, that's the result of the offense right there. That is the offense falling short, letting that pitching staff down, not offering up the run support, and then putting the bullpen in a bad position because then you have guys coming in and they need to protect the lead. And we know that that unit's not necessarily very strong either. You're putting that unit in a bad spot, and then it just kind of all snowballs from there. So the offense has been – that's the main thing everybody's been talking about in Minnesota because it just hasn't been going well, especially when you have guys like Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa. Like you have guys that are really good, and they just are doing absolutely nothing to help that pitching staff at all this season. Yeah. Actually, I have a note. You mentioned two different people that I immediately have notes about first. Is there any good news about Byron Buxton? Because I feel like he's been injured really all season. And that, you know, could be why his offense has been so terrible is maybe that he's just still constantly playing through this injury when he is actually on the squad. So is there anything good, positive right now with him? It's this sort of is like the story of Byron Buxton's career, which is really sad that he hasn't been able to stay healthy long enough to put together an MVP season. Like when he is healthy, he is a top 10 player in the entire he's league. Scary, he's exciting. He's <laughs> yeah. And I mean, how many times have we seen him when he's healthy? I mean, he just goes viral with how fast he runs, which seems very reductive, but like his ability, his base running ability is just out of this world with his speed. And his defense is really good, too. And I think, to your point, he is dealing with some sort of injury this season. And I think it might be a load management thing with Rocco Baldelli. But he hasn't played center field at all this year. And that's another thing that's been increasingly frustrating about this team is he's forced into the designated hitter spot, and he's slumping. And he's basically one of the only guys that you can put there because there's not a lot of big power bats there. I mean, Joey Gallo was doing good at the beginning of the season, but he's kind of fallen back a little bit. You're not going to put Max Kepler in there because he can play defense, and that's the only saving grace, it seems, <laughs> with him, is that he can play defense. Mm-hmm. So Byron Buxton not being able, uh, being able to play center field this year, I don't know when that's going to stop, because as soon as he's able to get in the field, you can you know clear up that designated hitter spot. But it's just sad to watch him right now, because he's just swinging at everything. He's trying to get out of the slumps. I think at one point when he came off the IL earlier this season, he went into like an 0-23 slump. It was just brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, something's got to happen with him, because Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa are the two best players on this team offensively. If they aren't doing what they need to do, you're going to see what we've seen this year where this Twins team is just a, they're a bunch of stops and starts. They'll have games where they score 16 runs against the Cubs, mm-hmm. and then they're going to struggle to score any runs against, you know, horrible, horrible teams like the Oakland A's. Like, no offense, A's fans, we're all on your side. We want them yes, to sell the team. <laughs> but it's not a good team. And the Twins struggling against them, I think, is a very alarming thing coming out of the All-Star break. And it, the Buxton piece of that really speaks to the overall issues that this team has been having. Yeah. 
And it's so disappointing because he is, he's got so much talent. He's so Mm -hmm. fun to watch. And, you know, as a White Sox fan that is, you know, supposed to maybe even biologically hate the twins, you love to see him play because he Mm -hmm. is just so dynamic. And it's just been such a bummer this season to not really have that because he's good. He's been a White Sox killer for as long as I can remember and usual years and and I feel yeah with the not beating the A's thing, the White Sox nearly got swept by the A's. Mm-hmm. The last uh, game they won by a single run, and they lost the first two. But then they just beat, you know, Atlanta. They won that series. So, you know, make it make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then with Sonny Gray, you mentioned, you know, maybe – he is going to retire. He's in the final year of his contract. He's 34. Mm-hmm. He's got 11, almost 11 seasons now under his belt. So do you think he's going to retire if, you know, the Twins don't make it to the postseason or make it even very far in the postseason? Or do you think he's going to come back another year and try to do it again? And are they going to give him the money to do that? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know if he's going to come back to the Twins if he comes back for another year. It'd have to be some sort of team-friendly deal. And there's a lot of drama that's going back and forth about how he feels about Rocco Baldelli. But Baldelli's also in the last year of his contract. So we don't know. There's going to be a lot of change with this Twins team in the offseason, especially if things continue the way that they've been going. I think that he could come back for another year. I would if I was Sonny Gray, just because you know you've put in another good, solid year of your career you can go out and you can get one more big payday. And I think he's owed that. He's had a really good career. It's, he's also run into some problems in his career too. You know, he's struggled at times. This sort of feels like a redemption, sort of like a, uh, you know, they give out Oscars sometimes to actors who've never won one, but you always <laughs> love them. And it's like that career, kind of like, you know, the career celebration thing. It feels like Sonny Gray is having one of those seasons where we're like, yeah, we really liked Sonny Gray. And when he was at his peak of his powers with the A's, we were like, we really liked him. He was a good, really good, entertaining pitcher. And he's sort of tapping back into that this year. So he could come back, cash in on this season. He brought up retirement himself. It's not like yeah. there's been a conversation in Minnesota. It's not like he came into this year going, Oh, I might be done after this year. You know, my future's murky and all that kind of stuff. That just came up out of nowhere over the all-star break. So the fact that he's thinking about that, that says something to me. I think that the gears are starting to turn. And I think the other side of, you know, he could get the payday. The flip side of that is going out on top. You never want to be the guy that overstays your welcome. And retiring as an athlete is one of the hardest things to do. Mm -hmm. But I think if you can't go out with the, romanticized version of riding off into the sunset, which is winning the World Series, which fingers crossed still, maybe he'll be able to do that with the Twins. I think going out, having the sort of season that he's having, and maybe he wins the Cy Young, that'd be a heck of a way to end his career and go, you know, I did all I could. I gave the game everything I had, and I went out on my terms at the top instead of sort of being pushed out. Yeah, he needs his Leonardo DiCaprio moment. You know, he finally (laughs) finally won that Oscar a few years back after – being robbed for like every single year since. So maybe he'll have his DiCaprio moment this year. And maybe that's just, maybe that is just the Cy Young, but I think that's a career that is worth celebrating because he's, he's always been phenomenal. Even when he struggles, I think he's always been great. Mm -hmm. And he won't have to sleep in a bear like Leonardo DiCaprio did too, even though it is Minnesota. We have bears. I don't (laughs) think he's going to have to do that. They're bears. It gets cold. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't come down to that. He should have won in Titanic. But again, we don't want Sonny Gray to, you know, get lost in the ocean and not be able to fit on that wood plank either. 
nope, he came back. He came back from being lost in the ocean, so to speak. So I kind of go out on top now. I think that's that'd be cool, at least from, you know, a general baseball fan standpoint. I think that'd be cool to see him go out like that. Yeah. So do you see this Twins team still sitting in first? Because, again, this this is a terrible dis- division, period. Like, there's there's no sugarcoating that. Do you still think they are going to be in first, given their kind of offensive woes right now? Or do you think this division is for anyone to win? Without, I think... With the exception of the Royals, but of course. They're not. Yeah, anywhere. sorry, Kansas City. It's a, it's a tough scene in Kansas City, but... No, I think I think the Twins, they're very much, unless something drastic happens, like, you know, you have some sort of serious injury, especially the pitching staff. Something happens to Sonny Gray, if something happens to Joe Ryan or to Pablo Lopez, I think that they could fall back a little bit. But I think that the pitching staff has been so good this year, that's going to keep them in, in contention as long as this division stays as bad as it is. I mean, you put this team in any of the other divisions in baseball, it's just a sad, sad state of affairs so thank goodness for it although you mentioned i'm a buccaneers fan too so this is like watching the buccaneers again like limping to an eight and nine division title it's like i'm (laughs) cursed to watch my teams be just good enough to win bad divisions but not good enough to win anything in the playoffs it's it's so frustrating but i'm a bears fan i get it i get it see so the uh i I think cleveland and minnesota and they're going to be up there kind of trading blows here through the end of the uh, second half of the season here. But this is kind of where the rubber meets the road a little bit. When you get into August and then early September, this is usually when the twins fall apart. So we're kind of everybody in twins territory is watching this with a gentle hum of anxiety hanging over the background of everything. Cause as good as the pitching staff has been, like I said, the offense just isn't there. And this is the type of year or the the, the, time of year i guess where they do have games like they just had against oakland where it's like what are we doing you should be winning these games these are the games that good teams win to get into the playoffs and the twins have just been unable to win these over the last couple of years and i think this is another frustrating year where they should be better than they are but they're not going to be but like you said the al central is so bad that might be good enough so i think they're going to hang around the top unless something absolutely drastic happens uh, which fingers crossed it doesn't. Yeah, of course. We don't want that for any team except for maybe the Yankees. And they've already they're already down Aaron Judge. So I think they <laughs> they've got it pretty bad right now. Um, so do you have an MVP candidate on your team right now that you would like if you had to pick someone to submit, you would say, I definitely think it is Sunny Gray or, you know, anybody. I would say, well, I've talked a lot about Sunny Gray, and I want to bring up Royce Lewis, because Royce Lewis got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, not as serious as that last ACL tear that he had. But he, for a one, he was after he got called up and he was really starting to get everything going. He was looking like he could be the MVP of this team. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Houston series. He got called up and he single handedly like won two games in that series by dragging this team back from where they've been all season long, where the offense starts faltering late in, uh, in the late innings and the bullpen can't keep it together. Royce Lewis came through and he's like putting, you know, that wins above replacement on display in real time. It's like, this guy's the real deal. And he got hurt again. So he's, we're not going to see him probably until end of August, I would say. But he's, he's the guy that I think when he comes back, if the twins are in that position, like we just talked about where they're just struggling and nothing is going right, but it is that very close division race. Royce Lewis could end up making the difference because he is that good 
on offense. He is a missing piece. And you can see it. Once he got hurt, the offense started backsliding back to where it was before. You know, Edouard Julien, he's also been a little hot here. So he's a guy that deserves mention. It's going to be real interesting when Jorge Polanco comes back. Because you're going to see they need to keep Edouard Julien up at the major league level. They cannot send him back to St. Paul. They need to keep his bat in the lineup. Like they're very close to having the two of us in the lineup. That is that is how bad this offense is. Like they need all the help that they can get. And Royce Lewis, I think, is really sort of the cherry on top of that because he delivered. And it was also cathartic and it was celebratory because he did have that journey to ACL tears. You know, it started to look like he might not fulfill all of the promise that he had when he was drafted back in 2017. And it's crazy to me that he's still only like 25 years old. It feels like he's been in the league forever, you know, trying to make his way up and to see him finally get the call again and to deliver and to have an immediate impact on this team. That is what we're looking for. We want to call not even just the twins, but when you're talking about your top prospects, your top young guys, that's what you want to see them come up to do. And it was really cool to see the twins have that guy because they've always that's the guy that's always the prince that's always been promised. You know, it's always like, oh, just wait. This guy's going to come up. Oh, just wait until this guy comes up. Royce Lewis, he finally delivered on that. And I think that that's, to me, he's been one of the brightest spots in this season, um, especially in one of the darkest areas, which is on offense. Yeah, it sounds like our Jake Berger, again, Mm -hmm. incredibly similar situations. You've got, you know, the two ruptures of the ACL, the really just tough rehabbing and maybe never playing baseball again. You know, he he got to that point where he said, I don't don't know if it's in the cards. Mm -hmm. And then he came out and he's got, I think he just hit number 22 last night. Um, it's just been incredible this season and wasn't on the opening day roster for the White Sox, which blows me away. But with Royce, I, I would say it's kind of like the old White Sox joke of that's your trade deadline acquisition. Um, we always say like our injured players because Rick and Jerry don't like to spend money on this team. But do you have any you know, players that could be on the trading block or somebody that you're really looking for. And then as well, like we just, you know, had the draft. So Mm -hmm. you've got a lot to work with. So do you have any kind of thoughts on any of that? Yeah. What they should have done is because one of the guys that they're kind of looking at who could be maybe a low buy reliever that they can get to help out the bullpen is uh, Michael Fulmer who's in, I believe he's with the Cubs right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that, I mean, he's pitched with the Twins. He's been here before. But that was a guy, he was a free agent in the spring. We knew the Twins needed to get some sort of bullpen help. They needed to get some sort of extra arm in there. And he was a guy that was mentioned, and then the Cubs scooped him up. And I was like, oh, okay, he wasn't, you know, lights out with the Twins. You know, he definitely had his struggles. But now he's one of those guys that just has a really good first half. He's turned things around a little bit, and now he's sort of on the radar as a guy who might come home. But that sort of highlights – the reason I bring him up is that's the that's one of the frustrations, these stops and starts that we've had so far this season, where it's, we're in the spring, we're like, we don't need him, it's fine. You know, the front office says that these guys – you know, we could call some people up from the, you know, St. Paul. These arms are going to get better. It's, you know, law of averages. It's really going to have two bad down years in the bullpen. Turns out – you know, it's not as bad as last year, but it's a little bit of a bounce back. But the fact that they didn't make a move on a guy that they now could end up trading assets for is very frustrating because the Twins, they're, they've also they've already said that they might not make any trades at the deadline because they like the guys that they have. 
and there's enough talent on the roster that if they get it all together, it's better than making the trades, which is like, okay, it's <laughs> sort of true, but it's also like, it's not going to fix anything because basically what we're, we're, we're staring at a leaking sink and being like, maybe it's going to clog itself and it'll stop, you know, flooding the kitchen. It's like, that's not a good strategy to have. So, you know, working on the bullpen, I think is probably something that they could do with the deadline. Yeah, uh, you know, Joe Kelly's a guy that could be on the trade, you know, if the Sox are gonna sell. Yeah. I'm always a little weary about, you know, trading within the division. I know it was a big deal when the Cubs and the White Sox made a trade across town trade yes. a couple of years ago. But you know, those are the types of guys I think the twins are gonna be looking for. It's not gonna be some huge, drastic, big swing, you know, where they're gonna go and they're gonna get Otani or something like that, or they're gonna get somebody I don't even think they're gonna go out and get anybody offensively. I think it's gonna be fortifying the bullpen, taking care of those late innings, knowing that you're going to get probably six good innings out of your starter. The offense is going to do what it's going to do, but making sure that that bullpen's locked down. Because then if you're looking forward, let's say that they do win this pitiful division. Bullpens, we've seen in October, that can make or break your run. Yeah. So if you don't have those guys back there, and I would say the Twins don't have those guys back there right now that are going to fill me with a lot of confidence in October, you have to go and get them at the deadline. And they don't have to be big guys like Joe Kelly. Ask the Red Sox and the Dodgers how valuable he can be in the postseason. You know, you go out and get one of those guys. So that's where I think that they'll make their move. But I'm not terribly confident when the front office's approach to the trade deadline is, eh, we have guys. If they're healthy, they'll do good. So I'm not, I'm not terribly confident. Why go get a Tawny when we have a Tawny at home? You know, again, the White Sox. I think this is why this division is so terrible because – are you know front offices are just they don't care they don't care about anything they are just okay with being mediocre and not winning because they're still making money somehow i'm convinced that's just the way it goes in this division it's it's frustrating but i I also think there is some sort of ptsd with the twins because they did make you know the tyler molly trade they made that last year and it's just completely blown up in their face because he's done he's not going to probably play for them again and the reds get a couple of top prospects that's you know you got some egg on your face that's not gonna that's not gonna motivate you to go into a trade deadline when the season is sort of on the brink like this and go let's you know dip into our prospect pool because like you said they do the draft they got walker jenkins in the draft like he's not going to get traded but they do have some pretty good prospects that you're not going to want to move at this trade deadline where it's you're not going to get somebody who's just going to absolutely game change for you like you're fortifying that bullpen you should not dip too deep into that prospect pool to get that guy and if you can't get that guy i guess that's why the twins are like hey we'll just roll the dice with what we have but that's you know it's play that's the definition of playing scared (laughs) it's true well we've got a lot of fun um twitter audience questions for you we will start off with one very ridiculous one from a White Sox fan, why does Tory Hunter still haunt White Sox fans' dreams? It's a good dream for me. I don't know. I don't know. This is you know, Tory Hunter's a saint. So it's that's. Uh, I was actually just talking with some Twins fans the other day about this. It's those were some of the most fun Twins teams that we've ever been able to watch. And I think that's you know when I was talking to the top, that's that made these. Twins White Sox rivalry games just so much more intense because those I remember those old Sox teams as much as you know Sox fans remember Torrey Hunter and those guys you know I could I could rattle off you know Paul Canerco and Maglio Ordonez and all these guys who were you know just killing us you know Mark Burley and you know oh, just don't don't even get me started <laughs> I mean it's getting 
but I sympathize. That's the thing. You know, Torrey Hunter was just one of those guys. It's like you needed to make a play. He's going to make that play. And it's the most flashy, frustrating play you can make. It's either robbing a home run or getting some sort of clutch hit. And it just seemed like he would always get that against the White Sox, which is personally I always loved. But, you know, you, you got to have some of those killers on your team like that. And the White Sox had plenty of guys that killed the Twins, so much so that they went out and were like, you know what, Joe Creedy, we're just going to sign you. Because, <laughs> you know, Jim Tomey, come on, let's come on over. We're just going to sign you because you've beaten us up so badly. We're just going to, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen? And then, you know, Joe Creedy doesn't do anything with the Twins. But that's, I guess, the White Sox getting the last laugh there. Yeah, that was that was karma for you guys. So do you like Target Stadium or do you miss the mystique of the Metrodome? I love I, I like the new stadium. I do. I think obviously I'm biased, but I think it's one of the best, if not the best stadiums in baseball. Although the giant stadium out in San Francisco is really good. Like that's that's hard to argue with. Um, it's just it's got that sort of Minnesota feel to it up to like they made the outside of the stadiums like made out of limestone, which, you know, they just, they took from Minnesota. Um, the sight lines, there's not a bad seat in that stadium. If any White Sox fans ever travel up to Minnesota or live in Minnesota and want to go to games, there's not a bad seat in that stadium. Like you're not up in the nosebleeds. You're not going to have, you know, part of the field missing. It's everywhere you can go. It's so great. And it's just a fun, cool atmosphere there too. It's like right in the middle of downtown, but it has this, you know, unique Minnesota feel to it. There's breweries right by, there's First Avenue, you know, music venues right there. Uh, Target centers right across the plaza. So you can go watch the Timberwolves and, you know, double up your pain if you want, <laughs> if you want to do that. Um, but I, lo- I did love the mystique of the Metrodome though. Every single person that I've talked to outside of the Twins fandom, you know, people at work or, you know, the other baseball fans that I've talked to, they, oh, and I'm sure White Sox fans are going to go, oh, when I say this, that roof, you lose the ball on that roof if you took your eye off it. Like yeah. that white roof in the Metrodome, if you took your eye off the ball for a single second, it was gone. And that was one of the best home field advantages that you can have. It was loud in there and you lose the ball on the roof. That was, there was something charming about it. It definitely wasn't a good stadium. No. Tar- Target feels definitely much better. We're not going to trade and go back. But I think there is sort of that, you know, we missed the old Metrodome because it had that unique charm to it. Um, scars are cool. You know, it's that kind of thing where it's like, you know, it wasn't great at the time, but everybody's got good memories either in the stadium or the other notable thing about that was every time you walked out because it was the Teflon roof that was, I forget, some sort of like air system that kept it up. Every time you walked out of the gate after the games, you would literally get blown out because all of the (laughs) air is coming back down. It's getting recirculated back down right by the gates. So you lose your hat, you lose your popcorn and, you get blown out, but it's it, it's that kind of charm where you're like, you look back fondly on the Metrodome while you're comfortably seated in your new Target Field seat. You're like, you know what? Actually, this is pretty good too. Yeah, I know. I think it might have even just been last year. A lot of White Sox people went, um, they like to do road trips. Like they usually pick two or three a year. Um, and Minnesota was one last year. Like this year we did Cincinnati. There was another one. Um, so yeah, a lot of people have been there because it is a, a pretty quick and easy trip mm-hmm. coming from Chicago. And I have yet to go out to um, see the Giants play. That's my kind of goal for next year. But I will say Target Stadium definitely ranks up there in one of the like mm-hmm. nicer stadiums I've been to. That's for sure. Um, oh, this one might be painful. I know who asked this. Um, are the Twins going to bring back Nelson Cruz? Ooh, 
I actually, at this point, I would bring back, bring Boomstick back, bring him home. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Like I actually, I wrote, I wrote about this for the site actually. Cause I was like, you know what? The offense is so bad right now. It would be mutually beneficial. Cause like, what's the worst that could happen? Nelson Cruz doesn't, you know, do anything. It's like, okay, at least you're doing it in the comfort of an offense. That's absolutely terrible. So you're not the thing that's sticking out. You know, there was a piece that, you know, Joey Gallo just, you know, talked over the all-star break about how painful it was that he didn't do well with the Yankees. Like he always felt like he was the guy that, you know, threw everything off there. And Nelson Cruz doesn't have to worry about that in Minnesota because the offense is so bad that he can just step back in. And look, it makes this is this is how bad things are in Twins territory because I've talked myself into this, like, you know, Charlie and, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the the cork board. Like I'm I've got it. Where it's like, look, you bring in Nelson Cruz, slide him into the DH spot, then you can either put Buxton in center field or just shut him down for a while. If he's that if he can't play the field and all you can do is put him at DH, shut him down, let him rest, see where he's at at the end of August and the early September. Use Nelson Cruz in that DH spot. Really, you're not losing anything because Buxton's been so bad this year yeah. at the plate. That bar is so low for Cruz to clear. Plus, it's kind of a homecoming. Like, Twins fans like Nelson Cruz. Yeah. So bringing him back, I think, would have benefits in terms of actual on-field production because he could maybe fix some things at DH. The bar is very low for success. There's not a lot of pressure. And I think the fans are going to like it. And I think if you're going to make these little dink and dunk moves at the trade deadline, bringing back Nelson Cruz and not having to give up anything to do it, contract's not going to be very expensive. I think that that's – I would do it. I would bring it back just to see, you know, what's the worst that can happen, which, again, that's that's where we're at with the yeah. trade. What's the worst yeah. that can happen? <laughs> I feel, yeah. And you know, he could be that veteran leadership that maybe they just desperately need right now, the offense mm-hmm. really needs. So – and then another one, what is wrong with Jose Miranda? Seems like he's forgotten how to hit. Again, I think we've, we've talked about how the offense is already having a rough, rough bit. Yeah, he, he's been particularly disappointing. Him and Max Kepler were two guys that this season it felt like they needed to do something to really justify how they fit into the future. I think Kepler's sort of, that case is kind of closed. I don't know how much more road Kepler has in Minnesota. Miranda, I think he's got a little bit more runway, but he's just been so bad. Like they, he's either been hurt or he's been bad and they have to send him down for one of those two reasons. Like rehab assignment, he looks all right in St. Paul, comes up, craters. And it's like, it's just this frustrating back and forth. He stops and starts. And he looked pretty decent last year. Like it was, he had the promise. And that was the Kepler thing too. Like, oh, the shift band's going to, you know, help his offense. He's going to get back to who he was like three, four years ago. But Miranda's just been a sore spot. It's been awful to watch him at the plate. And it's been awful to watch him get pushed out of sort of the core because he was in that position earlier in the year where it's like, look, this year he can use his performance to go, I am a piece that you need to have here for the future. But we just talked about Royce Lewis. You've got Carlos Correa at short. Royce Lewis, you know, you can maybe put him in the outfield, but he was starting to play some third base. You know, and if you can have Royce Lewis and you can have Carlos Correa on that same side of the infield, that pushes Jose Miranda out. And he's done absolutely nothing to go, wait a second, let's think about this and see if Jose Miranda fits. Like, no, if you can put Royce Lewis at third, you're putting Royce Lewis at third. And now you're trying to fit Jose Miranda somewhere into that lineup. And that's just not going to work, especially if he's not doing anything at the plate. It, come on. it's You have a golden opportunity to 
give an offense some spark that desperately needs it. And that's going to go over much better than it otherwise would. Like you're going to look so much better and he can't do it. And it's, it's just been tough to watch. That actually kind of leads into a little bit of the next question. Again, we've talked about Buxton quite a bit, but the question was who is more valuable to the twins? Is it Buxton or is it Correa? Which I feel like I might know your answer to this one based on what you had just said. Yeah, it's, oh, that's a tough one. It's really, it, man, it's 1A, 1B. I would say Buxton is more important to the Twins because he embodies more of what the Twins have done. Over yeah. the, I mean, he's he's a Twins guy. Like, you look back at the guys that have come up, especially we're talking about those old Twins teams. All of those guys, the piranhas, as Ozzie Guillen liked to say, you know, he those guys came up through the farm system. Those were homegrown guys. That's homegrown talent. And the twins have prided themselves on that, especially during those small ball years of, hey, we homegrow the talent here. We don't go out and, you know, sign the best free agents. We create the best free agents, you know. And then they, to the point where maybe they end up staying, like, you know, Joe, Ma- Joe Maurer doesn't go and sign with the Yankees when he's a free agent. He signs a, what, $184 million deal, which is a discount to stay in Minnesota. So, that's the sort of thing that they've prided themselves on. And Buxton, he's the next sort of iteration of that. He's, you know, comes up, you know, second overall pick behind Carlos Correa in the same draft. Um, he comes up through the farm system. He's the guy that everybody's watching. Twins fans are invested in. And we're watching that journey through the majors. And that's also what's made it so painful that he's just not been able to stay healthy because everything about him, he should be, you know, we just mentioned Torrey Hunter, the next guy like that for all of the teams around baseball. It's like, man, I just don't want to play against that guy. And he sort of has that. He does. But he does. It's also, but it's also that asterisk of, but he's probably not healthy. So he's probably not at his best. So it's not that, you know, sustained fear that I guess you have with some of these other guys where it's like, oh man, I just, I hope he's not in the lineup tonight. It's the fact that it's so 50-50 and it's like, eh, all right, Buxton's in the lineup. Maybe you won't have a, he won't have a good night. That's the that's that's what's frustrating because if he does have good nights, this team's completely different. Yeah, I mean there are so many games, especially really close games, really late in the season games where he is healthy, and I'm like, oh gosh, why are we pitching to Byron? Like this is the <laughs> last why? Why are we pitching? Why are you throwing him that just meatball? Like why are we doing this? He's he has been that guy mm-hmm. on the Twins for you know forever now, so. It is disappointing because I don't I don't want to see him injured um, ever. But yeah, he's he's always been one of those guys that mm-hmm. when they play the White Sox, you're just like, please don't pitch to him. Just let him take the walk. Yeah, he's get it together. He's gonna kill us. He remind it, it reminds me a lot of Tim Anderson too. Where yeah, it's like Tim Anderson is that guy for a lot of Twins fans. It's like, what are we doing? But it has felt that way this year too. When he's been healthy, it's like, oh, okay, well. He might have a bad night tonight and you don't want to feel that way. You don't want to have your opponents not afraid of your guy when he comes to the plate like that. And the mm-hmm. fact that twins fans can sit there and go, you eh, know, Tim Anderson, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's not good. And it's the same thing with Buxton where it's like, you should, you know, just like what you said, Sox fans should be like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I don't want that. Get out of the, be- the on deck circle. I don't want to see you up. Yeah. Like your guys on base. I don't want to see that. That's the sort of thing that you want. Buxton's that guy. I think Tim Anderson's that guy. And it's just, it's a bummer. Even as a Twins fan, it's a bummer to see, you know, guys struggle like that. Like, I want Tim Anderson. I want to be afraid of Tim Anderson. Yeah. As weird as that sounds, you know? Because no. it just makes it fun. It makes it cool. It does. And it's been so disappointing with his season alone. I mean, mm-hmm. he's had such a just terrible season. And again, I think 
he's playing with an injury when he really just needs to sit it out for a bit and kind of regain whatever that was that he had, whatever's going on. You know, he just, he mm-hmm. needs to sit for a bit, but you don't have anybody else really. So who's, who's going to play shortstop on this team right now? It's kind of where we're sitting. So we play him. And then I have two just very um, serious, really silly questions before we take mm-hmm. a quick break. The first is, what's better, identical or fraternal twins? Hmm. Identical twins, I would say. Okay. Because I like, I like the, uh, you know, if I had an identical twin, I feel like you could do a lot of tricky stuff, especially in back in school. You know, it's yeah. like you know, I'm sick today or something like that. I don't want to take this test. Like my brother was always, you know, really good at math and stuff. So like I would, he was my identical twin and be like, Hey Ryan, why don't you, uh, why don't you take this math test for me? I'll get you back later, but come on. I get it. I watched watched a lot of Liv and Maddie when my kids were still into like Disney shows. And so I know they, they swap all the time for the best. Um, And then just my friend Brian wants to know if someone will please bring him some of those tiny donuts. God, they're so good. <laughs> they're, they're so good. Oh, especially when you go in to the ballpark and you just get that smell. You get that good mini donut hole smell. It's like, oh, let's go. It's it's fantastic. I I kind of get the same thing when I go to uh, Guaranteed Rate or I still call churros. it the cell. The cell. Yeah, the churros. Oh, it's so good. It just gets you. And you're like, you know mm-hmm. what? It's happening. Like the decision's been made. It's let's go. You can just call it Sox Park. I feel like that's what everybody calls it now. We refuse to continue with the name changes, especially when it's a giant red arrow pointing down. That's kind of insult <laughs> injury right there. All right. We are going to take just a very quick break, and then we'll be back to break down this series. And if you're on YouTube, you're watching me awkwardly. All right. Welcome back. Again, I'm Crystal O'Keefe. I have Josh on the show to break down this upcoming series with our Twinkie friends. Obviously, it is way too soon to talk about pitching matchups. The White Sox are down bad in pitching anyway. And we have kind of highlighted your pitching rotation because it seems like that's the best. Um, You guys are really known for that, especially with, you know, you've we've talked kind of at length about Sunny Gray. So is there someone else on this in this rotation that's just kind of making it really special? Yeah, I think Joe Ryan, we talked about guys that kind of come up through the system. And Joe Ryan, I mean, he was acquired from, you know, we talked about Nelson Cruz. Like, we, he was acquired from the uh, Rays in that trade. He's a guy who's, like, sort of along the lines of Byron Buxton, where it's like, that's a young guy that fans are very invested in and we want to see him do well. And it's like that he's supposed to take a step forward either this year or next year. And he's definitely started to do that. And it's what made giving Pablo Lopez his extension earlier in the year so exciting. Because as good as Sonny Gray has been, like we talked about, he's not a huge centerpiece moving forward. Like, it'll be nice if he comes back, but he's Mm -hmm. definitely not a core piece of this rotation when you're thinking about what is it going to look like three, four years down the road. And Joe Ryan is very much a part of that. And he could be the Twins' ace if we're looking really deep into our crystal ball because he's just – he's had a really good season this year right alongside uh, Pablo Lopez. They both pitched complete game shutouts, which has been phenomenal to see. Yeah. And it's – He's still, he's been a little up and down, but he's another guy who's like, if he's on the mound tonight, 
we know it's at least going to be, you know, a three run game. So the offense, if the offense can please score four <laughs> runs, like let's go. He's had, you know, both he and Lopez actually followed up their complete game shutouts by just allowing, I think six or seven runs each, which has not been great. Lopez did it against the A's, which was particularly oh, awful, yeah. <laughs> but Joe Ryan's a guy who I think when you're talking about twins pitchers and what do they, what does that core rotation look like moving forward? He's a guy that I think White Sox fans are going to familiarize themselves a lot with over the next couple of years. Cause he's going to be somebody who's like, man, I don't want him on the mound. I hope we, I hope we miss him this series. So, and I think he might actually be pitching in this White Sox series coming up. He um, might. When I checked earlier, they weren't up yet, but yeah, I think based on a rotation, that's probably it. That's kind of how we are right now. I mean, again, I feel like Dylan Cease or Lucas Giolito could be gone by the time this podcast even goes up. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, those are kind of our two that teams at this moment are fearful of. You know, Mm -hmm. Dylan has has been great. He had a phenomenal game, you know, just yesterday against Atlanta. Lucas has been great. He starts um, against the Mets. I'm so excited because I haven't seen him pitch in a very long time in person. So I finally get to see him again. Um, but yeah, they're they're kind of our two, and I'm so worried that they're going to be gone and we're going to have no one because um, Michael Kopech is struggling a lot, yep. um, a lot lately, which is disappointing because he's he is so good, and we just don't. Lance's hit or miss, and we don't talk about the other pitcher that's currently thankfully injured. So we don't have a lot going for us. <laughs> that's the that's how that's how it's been with the twins, like my entire life though. It's like you just they're a franchise that consistently is like just wait and see. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, these guys are coming up, just wait. It's gonna all come together. And that's always been the pitching staff, it seems. And it's like you can just rattle off. It's like you know, the scene in Jaws where they're comparing their scars. It's like you can just go back and forth with all of these pitchers and these failed promises, whether it's, you know, like Scott Baker, or you've got Nick Blackburn, all of these guys. You know, Carl Pavano at one point in time was like, oh, yes, finally, we got our guy. Now it seems like they do have at least two guys moving forward that they can build a rotation around. You've got Pablo Lopez and you've got Joe Ryan. And then you kind of see what happens. The guys will fill in around there. Bailey Ober is a guy who mm, comes up mm-hmm. through the system. He's somebody who could slot in moving forward as somebody who could, you know, maybe be that third guy. But as long as you have those two, I think everything else sort of falls in behind that. And the awesome part about that for the twins is they've never had those two. Going back, you have to go back to like Brad Ratke and like Johan Santana. Like that's wow, yeah. you're going way back, you know. And even that, you know, Johan Santana. Francisco Liriano was supposed to be that other guy. And you're just like, oh, man, we're going to have 10 years of Santana and Liriano. This is awesome. And then Liriano gets hurt, and they got to trade Santana, and it just never happens. So this has been a very long journey for Twins fans to get here. So Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan, specifically Joe Ryan, because I think he's going to – he'll probably be here longer than Pablo is, although they're both relatively young. Um, that That's the other guy. Pablo and uh, Joe Ryan are two guys, I would say. Familiarize yourself with them. Sox fans, because fingers crossed they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I don't have anybody to feel to familiarize you with, unfortunately. Um, although, you know, we talked we talked earlier about the whole Cubs White Sox kind of trade when they acquired Cease and Jimenez, mm-hmm. 
And for, you know, the prince who was promised again with Jose Quintana, and now he's starting for the Mets um, Tuesday. So, again, I will be, you know, there for Lucas, and then I will be there the next day when Quintana starts. And that, again, is excited because he's finally back, and I'm curious to see because I loved him. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not sad about that trade at all. I was very happy. I feel like we still won that trade big time, but – I just really enjoyed watching Q pitch. So I'm excited to see if he's kind of back to where he was back to just being great. It'll be interesting. Um, Okay. So what are your keys for Minnesota to take this series from the White Sox? I mean, all roads lead back to this offense. It's the keys are going to be, what, at what point does Byron Buxton wake up? Like he needs to have, especially, I mean, what better series to start doing that than against the Sox? It's like, come on, let's start waking it up a little bit. I think Max Kepler is actually hitting lefties better than Byron Buxton right now, which is just absolutely frustrating that that's, that's happening to your best player. So mm-hmm. I think he's, he's a key definitely. And then the pitching, I think the pitching, this is the series where it's like, okay, we're starting to get into that time of the year, like we were talking about earlier, where you need to start pulling these things together. You can't have as good of a first half as this pitching staff has had and then come out and th- lay a dud against the Sox, especially after things were so incredibly hard against the A's. Like that's you just need to follow that up with something. You need to chase that. Get that out of your get that taste out of your mouth a little bit. So those those are the two things. And I think kind of attached to the the hitting. Uh, or the offense is hitting the hitting coach. So uh, David Popkins kind of on the hot seat. The offense isn't going. He, you know, gets ejected the last series. He comes out of the dugout and kind of defends Joey Gallo, so to speak, you know, against a bad call. But he's a guy to watch because that seemed like a guy at the end of his rope to me. That is a guy who's all season long heard how bad the offense is. And he's heard it from the outside. You got to believe he's hearing it from the inside too, because mm-hmm. Rocco Baldelli doesn't have it. Like we talked about, did, does not have any more years on his contract after this. So it's sort of at what point does he start making moves on his coaching staff to try and fix these things? Because if the Twins do get into the playoffs and then they just flame out again, I mean, not only is he not going to be back in Minnesota, but that's not a very good look for him as far as looking for another job around baseball. So what happens with the hitting coach? I think is something to watch in the Sox series, whether it's the offense, whether it's adjustments that they make, or whether it's him, you know, standing on the stoop of the dugout, screaming at the umpires <laughs> and, and getting ejected. It's, it's, it's going to be something, but that's sort of a, a thing to watch overall with the twins in the second half here is push is going to come to shove. And I think David Popkins is the guy who's going to be either swapped out for somebody better or scapegoated. If it gets to a point where, Fingers are being pointed in the dugout in the clubhouse. Rocco's getting asked all these questions. At some point, he's going to have to start hitting the eject button on his coaching staff. And that's yeah. that's going to be desperation, though. So White Sox fans might actually want to see that because that's how you know the Twins are flailing is, is when they, <laughs> they, they start firing their coaches. I don't know. I feel like that's where we're at. I, I really think that Pedro was hired to be the front office scapegoat. So we'll see how our coaching still looks what our coaching staff still looks like at the end of this season um and then i mean would you say because my next question is the biggest threat would you just say that is kind of your starting rotation yes that's that's been the lifeblood 
to the Twins this year. So if that's, I mean, we talked about the two complete games for Lopez and for Joe Ryan. And that's, I cannot overstate how euphoric everybody was to see that. Not because it's like a cool accomplishment, which it is. Like there's definitely that element of it. But it was like, oh my God, we didn't have to rely on anybody else. The offense didn't have to do anything. The bullpen didn't have to do anything. And that's both awful because it's like you don't want that to be the only way that you can win but it's also sort of a highlight of how good that that unit has been they've been able to control games like that and when they're firing on all cylinders that is going to be the difference maker for the twins it's going to be how well can those starters go and how deep into their starts can they get before you have to flip it over to the bullpen or something like that and we saw earlier in the year when the twins started 10 and 4 i think they were outscoring their opponents like 62 to 37 so like the offense was hot the pitching was great, and they were 10-4. and four. And we're like, this is great. Like, we can get used to this. This is going to be awesome. And then everything sort of regressed back to the mean. That pitching staff, that's the consistent common thread throughout the season. And so if you're looking at the biggest threat or the thing that you don't want to sort of go in and assume is going to go well for you on the other side, it's that pitching staff. It's Don't take that lightly. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we – I've been able to break down this series as much as we can, obviously, with a little earlier recording schedule. So we'll move on before you go to kind of what your thoughts are on the rest of the, you know, teams in this league and kind of where Mm -hmm. you see this season concluding. One of the biggest things that I've been looking at recently is this whole Shohei Otani stuff which is a lot of drama. I I feel bad for angels fans. Cause like they didn't ask for any of this. They didn't ask for their franchise to fumble the bag, like multiple times in the last 10 years. But like this, I think takes the cake. This could be an all time. I don't know how this gets topped meltdown because lost in all of this is the Mike Trout element Mm -hmm. where it's like, you have two generational talents and you can't do anything with them. So if you're sitting there and you're an Angels fan, I was thinking about this. I think their asking price was, you know, we want multiple top 100 prospects for Shohei Otani. And it's like, cool, you know, you're obviously going to want to get something like that for him. But if you're an Angels fan, what has that front office done? What has management, what has anybody in that organization at a high level done to fill you with any sort of confidence that you could get those top prospects and do anything with them? So like, the twins have been tangentially mentioned along with every other team in baseball as like possible, you know, maybe Otani goes there. Uh, and you're looking at those top 100 prospects. We've just mentioned the draft Walker Jenkins, very attractive trade chip. If you're going to go that direction, Brooks Lee, the first round pick from last year, you know, and then you got, you know, guys like Royce Lewis and Edward Julian and, you know, Emmanuel Rodriguez, the pitcher who I think is also a top 100 prospect along with Brooks Lee. If you're the angels and you get those guys, what does it matter? Like the there you had Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and you couldn't do anything. Yeah. Like case closed. It's over. Like I don't know what to tell you. And I just feel bad for, you know, Angels fans because it's like they didn't ask for that. Like you have this great, awesome player and you're gonna watch him slip through your fingers because no fault of your own. It's terrible. Absolutely. So do you have anybody who you think could be the World Series contenders based on kind of where we're at right now and teams that have been really hot or teams that have been surprisingly really hot? I feel I like Texas. I I, I don't know why I'm partial to Texas. Being Mm -hmm. from Minnesota, they stole our hockey team back in the day. So I shouldn't I shouldn't be (laughs) sympathetic, but 
I like it when it's not just, you know, if, if we're going to get a team out of Texas, that's going to make a run. Let's have it be the Rangers and not the other <laughs> Texas team. Like we've seen that. And it's just the, I like the parody. You know, you looked at the Stanley cup playoffs this past year. There was a lot of parody there. And that's why it was so fun watching Florida and Vegas go so far. So you get a team like Texas who they also invested in this. This is why they went out and made those free agent moves, you know, these past two years. And it's unfortunate that Jacob deGrom can't be a part of this. Cause that's, yeah. you know, we're talking about Sonny Gray having this sort of like coronation to his career. Like, Jacob DeGrom putting together like a Verlander year like he had with the Astros would be really, really cool. Um, but just the Rangers in general, I think. But they're a, they're a fun team. And then the Rays. The Rays are impossible to dislike. Like that's, that's I don't, unless you're another AL East fan, <laughs> the Rays are tough, tough to hate. Um, yeah. And speaking of Otani, they might end up and go out and get Otani. And then it's like, there you go. And if they get him, the way that they're able to put together teams of just guys mm-hmm. and go and do this kind of success that they've had go to the world series a couple of years ago. That's, I think that's going to put them over the top, but even taking that extreme example out of it, I think Texas and, you know, Tampa Bay in the, the American league, I think that that's, that's really fun. I would, I would love to see those teams sort of make a, a nice deep run. Yeah. I would, I'd put money on both of those teams to do it. They've both been a lot of fun to watch. And I agree. I've been, I've bit I'm big, Jacob DeGrom girly anyway. So it's been such a bummer to watch all that play down or go down. Um, but yeah, I still think they are just fun to watch. They are really good. Like there are guys on there that you really just can't hate. They're all good players. And again, with the Rays, their Rays have been so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they've already hit, you know, their 60 win mark and they're, they just feel like they're unstoppable right now. So Again, they're not like the – well, I don't know. I don't think I want the Rays there just because they've been so scary. But they're still fun. I wouldn't mind it. I'm really just all in for the O's at this point, though. That's true. It, if, we're, if we're talking about teams that are tough to hate, it's it's, it's the Orioles. <laughs> the most lovable team right now, I think. Oh, so I hope I, – I don't know. We'll see. But those are good. I definitely agree with Texas, though. I, I really want mm-hmm. to see them – make it pretty far and maybe that's just the way DeGrom gets his ring. I'll tell you, I mean, just get him a ring. Like yeah. after all those years in New York, like get him a ring and let him retire. Him, he well, deserves it. Yeah, while well, he still has like a body left that can function right. let him retire. Poor guy. Wolf. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. So here's your time to kind of plug where we can find you, like I mentioned up at the top of the show, but just as a little reminder. Yeah, so check out Puckett's Pond for all of our fantastic Twins coverage. Fan side, it's home for the Minnesota Twins uh, at Puckett's Pond on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at J Dave Hill on Twitter. I'm always looking to talk with White Sox fans. Like I said, it's it's a sibling rivalry. I like it. I like White Sox fans. I like going to White Sox games, wearing my old Doug Mankiewicz jersey, and having White Sox fans be like, "Wow, oh, <laughs> that guy." So it's it, it's a good it's a good sort of. Uh, rivalry that they got going on there so buckets pond j dave hill that's where you can find all the uh twins talk and always always talk smack i like it yes fans we do a lot of that during the twins i mean it's mostly just to one person i feel like we're constantly and you might know him (laughs) um on you know on just the twin side of twitter i think everyone is very familiar with who i'm talking about that's really the one person that we like to really razzle during this series but yeah we are big you know we're big trash talkers 
in Chicago. So it's a, it's a fun series because it's never like take this seriously, but it's that heat of the moment. We're going to say horrible things about your team. And then <laughs> like tomorrow we can grab a beer. So, you know, yep. it's good, good rivalry. I agree. Well, thank you so much. Obviously, you know, best of luck. I hope you get Nelson Cruz back because that would be way too much fun. You can't really hate him, even as a White Sox fan. It's impossible. So, again, thank you, and uh, let's see how this shakes out. It'll be fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to come back anytime. Thank you so much, Josh. Have a good day.